so welcome to the river church podcast we are um we're making this podcast because we actually invited people to ask questions about the sermon series that um we have been doing on the book of first timothy today we have uh, norman and rosemary dix they have been a part of the church for just about a year now i think um over a year yeah so we've been they've been part of the church for about a year and and yeah they're just here to help us um answer these questions in the best way that we possibly can yeah tim can you give us an overview yeah so we're looking at the book of one timothy and uh we are you know going through it bit by bit uh exploring it little by little and uh we wanted to have this kind of podcast as a chance really for you to ask more questions but Obviously, it's important when we're asking these questions to remember the context which Paul's writing. So this letter is written by a guy called Paul, who's the apostle who wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, and uh, he has a huge amount to say, but he's writing specifically to a group of people in a church in Ephesus. He's writing to a guy called Timothy, who is his kind of his, his apprentice, if that's the right word. Um, his son in the faith uh, in verse in verse one or two, I think that is. Um, yeah. And so... Um, and he's he's really addressing this whole issue of false teaching. He's sort of saying, uh, Timothy, things in Ephesus are, are kind of going wrong. And the reason things are going wrong is not because you've organized the 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 tea rotor wrong or because you know you've got uh the wrong organization of uh you know your leadership team or whatever really the issue is to do with the fact that there's false teaching and and the fact that there's bad teaching in the church will impact the way that people live their lives and it will lead people to to stray from living in the correct way and then because of that the witness of the church is going to be damaged and so all the things that we're talking about today and these questions that have been asked are really relating to that idea that it's about what we teach is so important in the church. Yeah. Okay. Really good. Really good. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think we'll get in. We'll get straight into it with question number one. Will it rain this afternoon? Later this afternoon? Absol- <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> there you go. You've heard That's it here. Per- <laughs> yeah. You've heard it here first. Uh, a bit of prophetic insight on the weather. Um. But yeah, let's get into the real questions. Actually. Um. So. What does doctrine mean? I mean, we hear that a lot, but what does that mean? Yeah. Um, literally, you know, people think it's like a framework, you might as well say, a set of rules. Mm-hmm. For us believers, it's really the Bible determining, you know, what is right and wrong, what is true and what is untrue. Um, and I always think, you know, the bottom line of doctrine is, it's to help us to make sense out of life. Um, you know, it's, it's teaching the message of the Bible. That, that's, I guess, is the very simple bottom line of, of what those who have the responsibility of bringing the word are bringing forth. Here is generally what God is saying. You know, a, a bottom line uh, thing to do. It, it's a word, you know, we, we throw around in the church all the time and most people don't really understand and probably in some ways don't need to understand it because the, the, the role of those who preach is to bring the word in spirit and in truth, uh, to bring it in a way that's understandable. You know, you can be really, really know your stuff and bring it over in such a way that no one has the faintest idea what you're talking about. And so it has to come over in a, in a way that people can understand and see why God is saying what he's saying in, in, in the word. Very good. Does does anyone have any input on that as well? Or 
Yeah, I think I think doctrine is simply just it's the word teach word teaching really. Mm. Um, so yeah. you would use teaching in the kind of the like I used to be a secondary school teacher, and so that was my job. And so teaching is word, but also what you teach mm. is doctrine. So when you say the teachings, you say okay. so Paul, when Paul says don't stray from the doctrine, or Sandrox is saying don't stray from the teachings. And as Norman said, really, um, it's that which is yeah. kind of in mm. the Bible really. Yeah. It's a yeah. belief system as well. Um, you know, when you get people that go down a wrong road uh, that are non-Christians, they can be indoctrinated mm. by um, oh, like being taught uh, <laughs> wrong things. Yeah. You know, we ah. people that go into cults. Yeah. But we doc- so real t- uh, doctrine is, like Tim says, is, is teaching. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you can actually use doctrine in many ways. In, sadly in a bad way as well that's why it's important that we get to the truth of what the word says for us as christians lovely that was really good i like that indoctrination part you don't really put yeah. the two together um next question what does it mean to worship god ah. worship being the key word here can i start this one yeah, yeah. um actually uh, in the bible it, it doesn't define worship Actually, if you, it doesn't define it. But in, in the Old Testament, it's, it actually means to prostrate oneself, lay flat. Well, we don't often do that in church, do we? But, uh, yeah. And, um, I might never get up if we do. No, if, the spi- if the spirit falls on Sunday, we just see everyone prost- lying yeah. there, lying yeah. face no, down. No, it's that'll also be good. to pay homage uh, with reverence, to be in awe of God. That's part of worship. Mm. And it takes the whole person. Um inside and out you know the story at the woman of the well at the well in john 4 23 and 24 he said after that um that true worshippers should should worship in spirit and truth Mm. and um but actually worship isn't just what we do on sunday in fact there's a question mark is that worship in the work, people think worship is just singing songs. Mm. <laughs> it's wrong. It can be part of it yeah. that we worship and praise God. But I'd like to say it. we worship with a lifestyle. It's the best worship to God is living right and, you know, honouring the word of God uh, and, and following him. That That is real worship. And it's 24-7. Mm. It's not mm. an hour and a half two hours on Sunday morning. Um, yeah, I, I like, um, I'm fascinated by the not defined in the Bible and, and I think that's probably right per se of saying this is how you worship. Mm. Um, I think one has to be careful with worship that we assume worship is lifting our hands in the air, you know, in praise, dancing and, and all that kind of thing. <laughs> and I found over the years that sometimes you you watch, you know, and I am a people watcher, and, and when you're up the front, you do very much, don't you? And um, uh, people can stand there with their hands in their pockets looking like they're not interested at all. And sometimes they're not interested at all. But sometimes they are worshipping God, you know. And we've, I've met so many people who would no more lift their hands than, you know, shout out loud. And yet, in their heart, and as Rose said, it's, in, it's an inside and out thing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's on the inside, but it mustn't stay there. It will come on the outside as well. Yeah. And it is that, uh, I, you know, I see worship as often as that peace of being with God, of, of knowing that he's there. And, you know, when I, when I pray, 
I, I don't do it because you're supposed to do it. I, my first thing is to worship God, is to say, Lord, thank you. You know, when I pray at night, and I pray at night on my own down here, and say, Lord, thank you for today. I just bless you for your grace and your mercy. Mm. You know, you've guided us and lead us and this, that, and the other. And I, yeah, I just think it flows out, really, rather than uh, someone dictating. Can I just sort of interject here? Yeah. I think it's mainly about the position of your heart mm. at the time, yeah. you know, during the day. If, uh, you know, if you're really entering into the Holy of Holies, really, yeah. uh, prayerfully mm. it's a position of your heart that's true worship because god is worthy to be praised isn't he mm. he is worthy to be praised mm. Mm. I, Amen. I, just to add something i think um one thing that's really occurred to me recently is that when you you listen to preaching when you listen to really good preaching and your heart's engaged with it that's actually a form of worship um, that's a good yeah. point. And uh, because almost when you you listen to someone preach, and you, uh, even if you've heard it before, and you might think, "Oh, this isn't new," but you can hear someone talk about, you yeah. know, the fact that we're saved from our sins. And if your heart is listening to that and rejoicing in it, that's a form of worship. Because yeah. as that's why preaching is another reason why preaching is so important in church. Because actually, yeah. you're in that moment. It's actually a form of worship as you listen to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, not just it's not just learning in the kind of academic. Mm. It's, it's a worship thing and so yeah. yeah you know when someone says really was the preaching good this morning it's it's really i think did that preaching help me to worship god did it help me to, yeah. to in my own heart yeah did it help me to to look at christ and say yeah wow thank you yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny i was talking i don't know if it was in the home group or somewhere that um, when i was first saved and we went to spring harvest with rose's mum and dad and all that and um old clive calver bless him was preaching and I, you know, I think the rest of the family weren't particularly moved. I, I was crying my eyes out, you know, because it, that that word had touched my heart, and I realised that this rotten old sinner was now saved, you know, and that that that's, that changes everything. I, I mean, my mum thought I'd gone funny or something, but I, you know, I, God knows what he said, but it, it blew me apart. Well, it's happened since as well. Let me tell you, <laughs> what Rose thinking you're funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, she's always known that, Tim. Yeah. Uh, oh, lovely! That was uh, that was a very good response, guys. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> this one's a bit. Um, yeah, I, I thought about this a little bit as well. But how do we deal with false teaching? Mm. <laughs> well, uh, um, let me say this. Um, Sometimes somebody's really just got a different opinion to yours and we need to decide exactly what false teaching is. I mean, I've often said a heresy is nearly always a truth taken to extreme. That's good, I like that. Yeah, because, you know, it's a little bit like God heals absolutely, you know, he's, he's Jehovah Rapha. But then someone comes along and says, well, if you don't get healed, there's something wrong with you. You're a sinner, you've missed God, you know. And, and so you've taken a truth, in my estimation, to an extreme so you know when that happens I, I always feel that there certain things and it's really the leaders that should deal with it you know how you deal with this because you have to look at people's I put down their track record you know there are some people that I've met that come up with whatever you say they know that a little bit more and of course it's going back to the Bible Gnosticism you know I've got a knowledge that's higher than anybody else's and I've heard certain preachers come forth you know I could share you with these things but you're not ready yet mm. you know and and that to me is is uh, 
it can't can't be right and uh, you know sometimes it's just sometimes you just need to sit with people and chat things through and and see if you can come to that place yeah. you know wh- where it can be dealt with sorry in the, in 1 John 4 1 it talks about we Tests. called to test the spirits yeah. and whoever's preaching you know or what message we listen to online um we have to think like Norman has said what is their track record how do they bring forth what what heart what spirit are they bringing their teaching for uh, uh, you know and are they open to discussion with elders mm. are they open to that and if shown to be wrong will they repent yeah if if they come up with a real heresy you know yeah how do you go um, what do you what do you normally do tim when you you yeah. feel somebody is preaching something that is false. Well, I think that's as I mean that's why I think the Book of Timothy focuses on things like elders being responsible for teaching, mm. um, and why I think more and more as I study it that the primary role of the preaching and teaching ministry in the church should be done by the elders, um, because really you know then and that's why God then holds them accountable for what's taught, um, and that's why it says you know those that are teaching are you know don't yeah. don't desire to be a teacher because basically it's, it's, it's a tough job of you, yeah. um, absolutely <laughs> um and, and so i think it's a tough one i think there's a big difference between what is false teaching and what is false belief um i think sometimes we you know my job is not to root out every person in the church that mm-hmm. believes something that i think is different mm-hmm. to me um because i think that that's unhelpful because then and i've been in in churches where like certainly when I was young we're almost like if you held a different view you were going to get in trouble and then one of the I mean I, I wasn't in this kind of church but I know people have told me about this about things like views of the end times so that if you yeah. you could almost only be in a church if you believed yeah. that Christ was going to come back in a particular time frame and do it in this particular yeah. way and and in a way I think that kind of thing is really unhelpful I, I think you know again mm. what Paul is talking about are kind of fundamental truths and I think it's worth pointing mm. out um, that you know when we're considering the gospel you know there are things that are you know core truths that we absolutely should not veer from Je- yeah, Jesus absolutely. died f- to save us from our sins yeah. that you know the, the, the trinity that God is father son and holy spirit three in one uh, those kind of truths and there are other things things like you know what you believe about the end times yeah where people will say that's false teaching, but actually in reality, as you said, Norman, that's just someone's opinion. Mm. And so for me, I think partly when I'm thinking about, you know, how you deal with false teachers is you're thinking, well, how, you know, what is it they're actually teaching? You know, how important is it? Is it just a different view to to mine? Because sometimes Mm. it's just, I've got a different perspective on a different issue. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, and I think also then are they teaching or is it just an opinion? If they're going around the church and obviously Paul talks about things like wolves in the yeah. church you know yeah. are they going yeah. around and trying to like get people yeah. to believe what they believe um or is it you know is it that's actually they've just got a view yeah. and i think we can yeah. be almost you know i've seen churches that have been i suppose what you get now is churches that are kind of two ends of the extreme so you get some churches which are kind of rooting out people that are kind of almost like the the kind of what's the gestapo that's a yeah. secret police and yeah. like what do yeah. you believe and interrogate you yeah. Yeah. and if you're not in there call you out you know other people just sort of say well it's okay who cares what you believe it's all fine i think there's a danger lots of churches are like well you know who cares what you believe but i think it does yeah. matter and i suppose yeah. the, the question is how would i deal with it 
I think, I mean, the Bible talks about dealing things publicly. Yes, I know. <laughs> and that's a scary thought. And I don't know if I've quite, you know, I don't know if our church is mature enough to handle that. But literally, the way that Paul talks about it is literally yeah. you have it out. I mean, you know, there's a wonderful example, isn't there? I, I, I can't, is it in the Acts where Peter calls out, sorry, Paul, Paul calls, calls out, out Peter. the Apostle Peter? Yeah, yeah, very clearly. And, yeah. and says it in front of the church. And it's like, it Peter, wrong. what you're teaching is wrong, yeah, mate. Yeah. You need to get, and Peter very humbly, I think, mm. realizes, yeah, I am wrong. Yeah. Um, mm. So a lot of the way you deal with false teaching is public because if you just deal with it in private, then yeah. you haven't addressed the error. Yeah. But we do you not think though, part of the change, we're, we're losing confidence, and this is part of my thought in this series, we're losing confidence in in, in expressing a view from Scripture. Um, uh, you know, and we're just kind of going, well, it's probably just my opinion. Mm. And we're almost kind of, what's happening is subtly, I think, that Scripture is being undermined to a point where it's like, well, it's just opinion. You know, the view I hold in Scripture yeah. is just kind of opinion. Yeah. And it's like, well, actually, no, there, surely there's truth here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can look at it from different angles, but truth surely has to be truth. And it, it's if you've got truth, then, you know, you've actually got right and wrong. And I think that problem is mm. we're in danger at the moment of just losing all, all all kind of concept of truth. I don't know what you guys think well, about I, that. I'm absolutely with that. You know, everybody that knows me knows my biggest sort of fear is what the church is doing at the moment in this country which is having nothing's definite anymore yeah, as, you, as you say you can virtually you know come to church and we don't really care what you believe mm, well you know I've more than once over the years I've asked people to leave because they're trying to take me and the church down a road that I don't believe God is saying and I don't believe their perspective of the truth is, is correct and sometimes you have to say listen I recognize what you're saying but you're wrong and, and we, we can't allow that to happen because you know in the river we believe God has ordained us to do certain things in, in the coming years and won't be too won't be behind all of us and especially leaders if we allow people to come along and take us down you know another road and, and so I think we have to be really firm on that. And it's, as Tim rightly says, it's all the main doctrines that we, we believe. But it's also perhaps in the way that we do things as well that, that, that you know, that we don't allow the, you know, the reality is most of the world has no interest in, in us, the church, or, or what we believe. I think, and, uh, yeah. sorry, do I agree. I think the, uh, the, the leadership and the eldership at uh, the river have a responsibility to who they give the platform yeah absolutely to. because if somebody came you know along and literally preached a heresy i think it would have to be addressed then yeah. because absolutely. um in fact we've done it we've done it <laughs> because you just know it's not not a different viewpoint but an out you know like somebody saying well jesus didn't actually rise from the dead type of stuff yeah, you know? yeah. you've yeah. actually got to address that because yeah. you've got to think about your flock, haven't you? Mm, yeah. So it's a, yeah, yeah. it's a real responsibility. Well, our, our famous one is, is being at a big meeting in Birmingham with an American preacher, Shemay Nameless at the moment, with uh, thousands of people and him doing a thing from Isaiah um, that you can, uh, what sort of, you can tell, oh, I'll command ye, command ye the Lord, King James. Sounds great. Um, and so he said, there you are. You can command the Lord. And everybody starts clapping except one who stood up and said rubbish, namely me. Because it's the thing that Tim has mentioned many times and quite rightly, hadn't read the context. And when it came to that verse, it's, you think you can command me? I'm God. It's very different, isn't it? 
So, you know. The only read on. It didn't take any notice of me, but it made me feel better because it was wrong. But what was uh, more worrying is that thousands, and thousands I mean thought it was thousands, yeah, were going, thousands Amen, too. praise the Lord. They yeah. believed it. Yeah. Because it was, he preached, a very capable preacher. Oh, yeah. And it come, sounds right. Well, it doesn't sound right, but it's, it, it, you know, and mm. um, Charisma, wrong. isn't it? Yeah. 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 And that's why we keep saying to people, bring your Bibles to yeah. church. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think one of the reasons why we're increasingly trying to just go through the scriptures bit by bit yeah. and encouraging people to think about it. Because it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think that goes into the next question, actually. The, the next question was, how do we test teaching to know if it's good or bad? Yeah. And then um, it, there's like a point underneath it oh, I don't know if that's actually another question that might be another question but yeah how do we how do we test t- good, good teaching or bad teaching mm. well it fits in with what we've just said really doesn't yeah. it lastly and and it's often who the person is mm. um, you know and 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 it is well, I think John said a, a fantastic thing you know test the spirits yeah test the spirits because what does that mean normally yeah it's it's a very good point i mean for me over the years i have been in meetings um abroad and everything you know when it's been a convention and listening to others and i've just sat there at times and thought he's just got it wrong this is a good guy but he he, in my opinion he's misunderstood and other times you can the spirit of god just tells you that Hey, hey, this is coming from the wrong direction. Mm. I mean, I, I, I was at one thing in this country and got chatting to this guy, got on really well, and I said, why don't you come and preach? And he said, yeah, I'd love to. And that same day, the Holy Spirit said to me, you've made a big mistake, made a big mistake. So I went back to him and I said, you know, talk to me. And I found out, and I forget what it was, that was a lot of years ago, that he he would be teaching a, a route that I just don't believe mm. and I had to say to him listen mate I am sorry and he was really mad with me I'm really sorry but I've changed my mind you can't come mm. and, and, I, and I think this is again go back to eldership but there's plenty of other people in our church could do you can tell yeah. you can yeah. tell you know when Tony Hall came and did the t- two Sundays yeah. and Tony's a good mate of mine you know and he's been in my leadership team and that um I know not not everybody took it on about the gifts of the spirit and everything. You know, know no, from our home group, don't we? But you know, with Tony, you just know this is this is a man of God. You know, this is this yeah. is a guy that you can trust. You may sit there and think, well, not for me, mate. But that really doesn't matter mm. because it, it, the, the spirit is as it as it should be. And then you know, I think that's where we must be in the Holy Spirit with these things. Mm. And I think you that you know with what's being shared. You look it up and find it in the Bible. If it, if it's not there, if it's just that you know, then throw it out. And it, it's got to be Bible based, isn't it? It's got to be in God's yeah. Word, because yeah. sometimes people come up with some weird and wonderful uh, doctrines that actually. Yeah, well, well what they do, of course, right. and we've seen it so often, is they take everything out of context, or take a scripture here, a scripture there, a scripture somewhere else. When we used to do the Bible school years ago with David Hall, Trevor's dad, um, we deliberately did one teaching to the students um, where we preached for a little while, 20 minutes, and made a mistake all the way through. They didn't know. At least half a dozen, which were nearly right, but not quite right. And we got to the end and we said, well, what do you think? They said, oh, yeah, great, wonderful. And then we ran them through the errors, Mm, which helped me knowing to realise... It's so easy to slip in something that's not, 
is not right. It's actually erroneous. Mm. You know, and that the deal with that was: listen, study these things out for yourself. I've Rose knows. I've said for years. I, I, please, do you love my teaching? But please check it out in the Bible. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know. um, I I just want to put this question in because it's not exactly the same as the last one, but it's, it it can sort of help flesh out what we're talking about a bit more. Um, with regard to what is or isn't considered sound or good doctrine, how? Um, <clears throat> how is this decided? Isn't the Bible too open to a variety of interpretations to be definitive? Mm. I think that, that well, that's a, that's one of the, the things that I think we're talking about is mm. that yeah, that, that concerns me. I guess as a as a as an elder and as, as a pastor, if you if God's word has been given to us, it's been given for as you know, um, it says in two Timothy, you know, all Scripture is God breathed yeah. and profitable. Um, that we may grow into maturity essentially i can't remember the final but basically we've got to grow so yeah. there's a there's a there's a danger that almost we can reduce scripture to essentially like well read it and sort of see what you you sort of think and what, one of my i mean this yeah. is just a personal pref, personal bugbear one of the things that, that i struggle with sometimes when we when i've been in bible studies in home groups is that you know people ask the question what does this mean to you uh, and it's a lovely question because it's kind of just in trying to encourage people to get involved in you yeah. know in the in the conversation. It makes it personal as well. Yeah, it makes it personal. But the problem with that approach is it's that's not how you read scripture. It's not always what does this mean to me. It's it's really what is God saying. Yeah. And and the problem there is a the Bible is a complicated book, right? It's not an easy book to read. There's different types of literature. So there's some literature that's poetic. Yep. There's others that are very practical and very of exactly as it, it says it and there's other bits which are kind of story and other bits which are kind of almost kind of um you know written you know some of the bits are written you know thousands and thousands of years ago and so there's kind of a style of writing that you need to kind of understand but i think i think there is truth to be found in the bible and i suppose what by digging into it and really reading it uh, carefully, I think you can come to a really good understanding of what that scripture does actually mean. Yeah. And and you know, uh, if you if you don't come to that conclusion, if it's just a well, I think this, and someone else thinks this, and someone else thinks this, and really you're coming to, I think you're in danger of coming to a position of sort of saying, well, God, this is just what I want it to. And it's amazing how yeah. uh, you can read passages of scripture and you read into them you're almost saying what yeah. do i want this to yeah. say yeah. and you're coming at it with a perspective of i want it to say this yeah. Yeah. and the challenge for me is when i read scripture it's not well what do i want this to say it's well what for the best of my abilities yeah. with what's available to me with what i've read maybe a bit of a you know some you know there's some really helpful commentaries or some yeah. some comment on youtube things like that that can be helpful what is god saying and even if it doesn't fit with where i feel i'm at you know even though i might not agree with it i might not like it it's there and it's there for a reason and it tells me something about god yeah. and it's like what we we i think want to do at times is we almost want to whitewash the bible um with bits and pieces that we don't you know i don't like that i don't like this yeah. or i'll change that to fit what i want it and if you do that the danger with that is if you do that you're essentially making a god of your own making yeah. you're essentially saying this is the god this is my I, this i'm god and this is how i see the scripture yeah. Yeah. and it's like i'm and i think there's there have been lots of people that are cleverer than i am that understand greek etc if, if you go and if you really want to dig into a scripture you, you'll get to the answer and i i mean just to put real simply i think often it is what it says it is 
and you, you can read many commentaries, but nine times out of ten, what it comes back to is, yeah. well, it is what it says it is. I just don't like what it says, yeah. you know, um, you know, and stuff like that. You know, it's. Um, yeah. I, I think I I remember the um, there was the I can't remember what conflict it was. I think it was on circumcision in the Book of Acts, and and the resolve of the whole thing was uh, you you see it written that we we thought it um, we considered this. Well, he, they said he said um, we thought it good us and the Holy Spirit. So there was this element of they went into prayer, mm. and they were they were very much um, involved with praying and what God is actually saying. So it wasn't just what they thought. They mentioned the Holy Spirit in there as well, like saying this mm. is good to us and the Holy Spirit yeah. that this is what we should do. Yeah, I think you and, have to bear yeah. in mind though, Enoch, that they were the early days of the church and they were just trying to work it through what what god was saying by the holy spirit yeah. now we have the word of god we accept the 66 books of the word of god right. and there okay. are all different yeah. types in it as as tim rightly said um but there are a, a whole host of of teachings and doctrines that again i agree with tim that you must take as it said you know and it's so easy to make it say this make it say that you know uh, and 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 you end up going nowhere fast and what we want is people to mature Mm. you know to, yeah. to be to be ripe yeah. in the things yeah. of the lord yeah. i think it's i think it's just just and i think i'd rather be when i stand before god in you know as i will particularly as an elder i have to give an account for for what i've taught for what i've done i'd rather be on the side of saying well lord i tried to do it with the, to the best of my knowledge yes. in, in humility I tried to teach it, and if I've got it a bit wrong, and I, and I will have done, there's bits. Yeah. And, I'm sure there's bits and pieces of things that I believe that maybe I've not quite yeah. fully understood, and I've you know maybe misunderstood that. And but if I can stand before God with integrity and say, Lord, I've done it, even though it wasn't, I've sought to be honouring to you. Yeah. And this is yeah. the yeah. thing I've sought in my teaching to honour God, yeah. and what even if it's not culturally pleasant or it's not culturally appropriate or uh, acceptable, but Lord, I've tried to be honouring to you. Then I, I'm not, I think the Lord will be will be kind to me. Mm. I think where the Lord is not, and this is the whole thing about false teaching. Mm. Really, false teaching has two aims. I think, which is re well, it's one aim really. It's selfish. Mm. False teaching ultimately is selfish in its nature. It wants to yeah. either get gain. So we all know teachers who have really preached because they want money. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and yeah. I mean, there's very few of them around that in normal churches they, they tend to i mean i'm sure i've not come across many in my own experience um certainly not now i mean they're on youtube and they're in <laughs> other parts of the world but they're not around here yeah. but i think a lot of people preach selfishly because they want a crowd yeah. and so they're preaching because yeah. they themselves want to have a big church and so they'll teach things that are popular or nice or yeah. enjoyable and preaching the bible that won't make you more popular um mm. and i think also you can preach because you really want uh, to have a different view of the God of God than is in the Bible, yes. and so again, it's selfish. Really, mm. you're trying to, you know, essentially come up with a, a more comfortable version yeah. of God. Yeah. Whereas, really, if I'm preaching the truth, it will put me at odds with culture. It will put me in a position of poverty, and it will put me in a position where I'm unpopular. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, now I don't want to take pride in that. I know there are some people that you almost aren't there. I mean, you yeah. must remember them, Rose. You know, people that almost like that they, they preach almost deliberately trying to be unpopular. Yeah. And that's not right either because that's just <laughs> selfish. There's a whole lot of you can get a great following being horribly unpopular. Yeah. 
Um, oh, yeah. You know, and I don't think that's, I mean, you know, people like Piers Morgan do that, I think, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're getting a following by saying unpopular, difficult things. Our job isn't to be, our job is to say, what does God say? What do I see in the Bible? And I'm going to try my best to speak that clearly and, and thoughtfully and sensitively. But that's the truth. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, go no, on. I was going to say, I hope that whoever wrote that question understands that the, the word of God, the Bible can be trusted. Mm. It is because mm. it is it is definitive. Because otherwise, if we can make up what we think it means then there's no solid ground there, is there, for Absolutely. us to live our, our lives. Uh, but so God, when he left his, you know, um, his word for us, and uh, through scholars as well, um, he wants us to be able to live by the word. And so you can, you can actually put your life on the line for the word. Well, many mm. people have died, haven't they, for their faith mm. and what they believe. Mm. And um, so... I think the person who wrote that question needs to know that the Bible is trustworthy. Absolutely. Because right. otherwise, yeah, if you yeah, read it thinking, well, that may be right, it may be wrong. Well, why do we listen to any teaching yeah, I, on I, Sunday? I think to, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But um, people need to make sure they get properly born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to know the Lord, you suddenly find out this thing called the Bible mm. is from God. It's mm. God-breathed, as, as you said. From, yeah. And... Uh, uh, you know that, that that's 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 the start. I mean, you know, it was a while before, after I was saved that I began to realise the great truth that's in the Word of God. And yeah. and like Tim, you know, I mean, I've preached in lots of different. I've gone from Baptist into Word of Faith, and through this, that, and the other. Every black majority church in London's ever invented, and I've, I've changed in many ways. You know, I've seen things slightly differently, and yeah. hopefully grown and got some maturity in in, in what ministry. God's got left for me, um, and uh, you know, so one, one has to accept that sometimes. I mean, sometimes I, I think I mentioned there was a guy called Ron Dunn. I think we said this home group, a Baptist preacher. He's gone to be with the Lord, but he used to say that he would always try at every sermon to preach one profound thing, which sounds nothing, but if you can preach one profound thing, you and half done well. Yeah, because when I've heard them, I've heard people like Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones and R.T. Kendall. And they've said something. I mean, I remember Kendall saying something. It made me leap. Mm. I moved, you know. It actually moved me mm. really mm. very, very strongly. And uh, that's fantastic, you know. So mm. anyway, stop. Yeah, no, thank you, guys. Um, the next question oh, blow, yeah. is, is uh, in light of James 2, verse 10. Yeah. I, I haven't actually checked what that says, but I'm guessing it's the faith without works, isn't it? No, um, it's, no, it's, no, not. it's not. No. It's for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in just one point. Ah, yeah. oh, breaking. Oh, it oh, even better. Right, okay. So in light of James 2 verse 10, how would you justify distinguishing moral law from ceremonial law? Well, so yeah. how how do, what are the, what's the difference between moral law and ceremonial law? I think you went through this in your, in your sermon, the first one, I think. Mm. Um, but could we... Do, could we just do a, f a small recap on what that is? Moral law, ceremonial law. We'll let Tim do yeah, that. Yeah, we'll let Pastor Tim do that. We'll so come back there, there are three types of laws really in the Old Testament, which is moral, ceremonial and civil um, in the Old Testament. And so uh, moral law is the things that God uh, has put into place for humanity that are about his character and about our response to his character. 
and how he would have us approach him and how we ought to live in relationship to one another mm. so that's moral and those things are th the ten commandments are moral laws so yeah. in every culture all around the world it's never appropriate to steal you're, you're never going to come across in a culture anywhere in the world where it's good it's acceptable yeah. to steal or murder as, a, as, a, as an example and and so moral law is, is, is quite is best defined in the ten commandments primarily mm. but really those those also that reflect the character of, of God um, the ceremonial laws are things to do with how God ought to use or used to be worshipped mm. so that was things like the uh, you know sacrificing of, of animals and such like uh, and uh, the way in which you know worship proper worship would be conducted in the old testament and it was very complex there was lots and lots of things that needed to be done in order to approach god because god was holy yeah. we had to make sure that we were super holy uh, or, or at least super clean to come to him and so a lot of that was external uh, and then the last is civil laws well that was really how their society ought to be conducted now the reality is we don't live in that society anymore um, and so therefore lots of the civil laws things that relate to how they were to you know organize stone someone <laughs> yeah and things like that Th those things you know we're not we're not living in those societies so those those laws aren't, <laughs> aren't appropriate uh, anymore no stonings allowed yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also since Christ has come uh, the the uh, the way we approach God has changed so yeah. we now don't approach Christ on our own merits which therefore we would have needed the sacrifice and the blood of animals so we're coming we're saying we know we're not worthy so something has to be sacrificed and you know for me to come and i need to be super clean I need to be washed all this time a, a woman on her period for example uh, wouldn't be able to come to god because she was considered to be unclean yeah. uh, but now because christ has come i don't approach god myself mm. i approach god in christ, christ. Yeah. so yeah. christ is the one that approaches is god and he he mediates on my behalf yeah. so if i'm in christ therefore so that's why really the the civil and ceremonial laws are no longer that necessary or are not necessary uh, but the moral laws remain yeah. um i don't know if there's anything that you guys want to add to that no that's that, that, that that's good i mean there are of course um, a number of uh, christians that would still do a lot of a lot of the ceremonial laws of the of, of the past and that would mm. You know, then would bring it into it. But no, what you said was absolutely fine. Too. Well, a good a good Very example of that is, is is Paul's instruction that actually it's a sin to uh, force someone to be circumcised. Yeah. yeah. So the Old Testament demanded circumcision, but yeah. Paul says you don't, if you try and force someone to be circumcised, yeah. Yeah. you're actually yeah, sinning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So because a lot of people want to do all the still want to do the the feast. A lot of Christians still yeah. do the feast. We know some people who. I think it's lo I don't know about you, but I think it's lovely. I mean, I've, I've been to some of those things, those Old Testament Jewish feasts. And I yeah, think they're, well, yeah. they're lovely and they're very, yeah. they're very helpful, but they're not required. No, exactly. I suppose that's, that's the difference. Yeah. That, that is, is a big difference. Is that yeah. you're not required yeah. to do those things. In We've order done that to in churches God. together, haven't we? Uh, the park done the Passover yeah. and all that, and someone come along and do it. Really interesting. Mm. Uh, really interesting and really good. Mm. Yeah. So I guess to answer that question, then it's, it's through Jesus. That's how we justify distinguishing the two. It's like. We no longer have to go on our own merits. Um, yeah. We'll go through the merits of Jesus who died for us. Amen. Amen. All right. We've got two more questions. Um, one uh, references Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40. And the question is, Jesus indicates how the law hangs on the commandments to love God and neighbor. To what extent do you believe that if we love, we fulfill the law? So basically, how much, how like, is it just all love, or is or is there some bits that we actually have to follow and do? 
I think that's I think that's the tone of the question. I was a little bit concerned about this question, and uh, and please forgive me whoever wrote that. Uh, I, I assume they weren't saying all you got to do is love and everything's all right. Um, you know, we, it's the royal law, which mm. is incumbent upon us to to perform. Mm. Um, those are questions from that exactly. How does that work out in effect? But I do get concerned sometimes where. You know, I've heard so many people say, all you've got to do is love them. You've got to love them into the kingdom. And great. But I've also seen some people loved into hell by just loving them and bringing forth no no challenge. So uh, I see a little bit, yeah, a little bit worthy of more discussion, that one anyway. Sorry. What do you think, Rose? Yeah, well, I, I was going to say an answer to that question is a yes and a no. <laughs> which is oh, which is Andy. no answer at that's all. Really. But basically, what uh, Norman said, um, you have to love um, God's way. Um, if you, it depends what your motive, what, your heart's position within that love. Um, I know one would say love is love. Uh, obviously, you can have um, different types of love. We won't go through that now. But different types of love, and of course it. Um, I looked um, in James 2, 8, it talks about loving your neighbour, doesn't it, as yourself as well. So, yes, I mean, we have to love, and that's that's the bottom line. But you do have to love in God's way, the way that God has shown us how to love. And um, I'm sure there's uh, much more to it than that. Others have got thoughts, I'm sure. I think I think we have to be careful that we don't react this to to this the idea of love because it's a hotly contested idea in <laughs> in current society, isn't it? I mean, it, it, mm. it's the you know whether it's the Beatles or or Queen or whoever it is, it's you know all you need is love, mm. um, and you know love is a justification now for lots of for lots of kind of things that we would be uh, that, that really the Bible doesn't commend. You yeah. Know? So yeah. if it, if you you know if it's you know, if if it's love, then it's okay, kind of thing, and that's not just talking about relationships. That's just talking about, you know, all parts of society. You know, and I think that's where it's important. That's why I think in this in this chapter one, t- Paul is is commending Timothy to use the law correctly. He says the law is good if used used lawfully. I mean, that's verse mm. eight. Um, and the point is, is that the the law is the law guides our love. And, and informs our love. So we can have a love for God. Um, and and really, if we love God, we will want to fulfill the law. So we will want to do the moral law that we've just yeah. talked about. We, that will be our, our sense. I don't want to commit adultery and I don't want to steal because I want to honour the Lord and I want to love my neighbour. Um, and that is the fulfilling of the law. And so in, in answer to this question, the answer is yes. I mean, obviously, if you fulf- if you love, mm. I mean, that's what Jesus yeah. said. It was Jesus that said, said this wasn't it jesus yeah. said if you do these two things yeah. but really jesus is saying you do these things because they essentially sum up the rest so it's not that you do this and then disregard the rest yeah, mm. yeah. it's it's if you are doing love as god in really sees love you will fulfill these other things you will actually outwork the fact the command not to, to steal or to honor your parents like because it's you know how do you how do you show love well you love by honoring people and that's, you know, you, you love by honouring people's possessions. You love by honouring people's lives. You love by honouring the truth. You know, do not, you know, do not bear false witness. You know, you love your neighbour by not lying uh, or telling false things about them. So, so I think, 
you know, the danger is that these these things unnecessarily get disconnected. Um, they shouldn't mm. be disconnected. They are the same thing. Really. Yes. It's, it's yes. God's always intended that to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, uh, sadly, I see too much on Facebook, and one of the things that goes around of recent days is um, just be kind and love one another. Well, mm. that sounds right, mm, but it's yeah. very it's too simplistic to me yeah. for me. You know, because you have to. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to do it God's way, and sometimes you have to address wrong behaviour. And and that's the toughest form of love, isn't it? Yeah. Tough love, I like to call it. Mm-hmm. And it's really it's whether it's love. Who who's your love directed towards? Is it directed yeah. towards God and other people, or is it really directed towards yourself? And I think what society's created around is this this concept of love is very selfish. So the reason, that as as Rosa said, that tough love is a concept that's gone out of the window is because really. What we're saying is, is 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 individualism. So I'm a I'm an individual who exists really for my own. My, you know, the way to be happy is to do whatever makes makes me feel good or whatever yeah. I feel is. And so it would be unloving to challenge someone's individuality. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's really the central, I suppose, lie that's that's infiltrated our Western society is that, you know, that you are your own, you are your own person, your own almost mini god and whatever you do you, the best way to be happy is to just to do whatever you know you feel is the right thing to you to you do in that moment so the idea of, of love now has become well you need to support someone in all of those choices yeah. but really real love isn't about you you can't love you, you you have love is between two people and the way that i love my wife is by pleasing her yeah. and by honoring her and caring for her that's yeah. what real love is yeah. and and it isn't about what i get out of it it's what i give out yeah. and so really love you know if when we talk about this commandment to love god and love others it's really not about you at all yeah. it's saying if i want to love god i will please him and do what pleases him yeah. and if i want to love my neighbor i will do what really about caring for them and pleasing them but in no order. So if what my neighbour is doing is unloving towards God, then I have a responsibility, not a responsibility, but I certainly have a, have a, I don't have permission, maybe that's a better way of thinking about it, right. just to kind of go, okay, whatever you're doing is fine. Yeah. Because, you know, if they're, you know, if your neighbour is, is, you know, doing things that are unhealthy for themselves or yeah. for, towards God, then in a way you've kind yeah. of almost got some kind of responsibility to, 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 basically yeah be like what's going on here yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and i, th- I think yeah. we need to see that root of individualism yeah. really yeah. which is which is and if you, the irony is it's not it's it's a western thing it's not a you it's not a it's not a 2024 thing it's a western thing if you go to asia uh they're much more kind of corporately minded you you serve you know your family and your country and you you exist to serve others you know you don't mm. really exist for yourself um, and that would be true of most parts of the world. Yeah. Um, it's really only in the West, really in Europe and, you know, America and, and other places like that, where this idea that I can, you know, it's the land of the free and the home of the brave or whatever it is <laughs> that, that kind of, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. I think, I think um, media has a big play on what we perceive to be love. Um, we watched, yeah. the, I watched a lot, of, a lot of movies when I was younger yeah. and understood love to be, you know, that whole sort of lovey-dovey feeling yeah. that you'll, you know, you yeah. see someone or something, love at first sight, that sort of thing. And, yeah. you know, there, there seems to be an understand, a, a misunderstanding of what yeah. love is. And, and in that scripture, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 uh, um, to, to 40, 
uh, that word love is agape or agapao, where you're loving someone. Yeah. Mm. And, and that is completely different to what we see as love or think mm-hmm. to be love. It's, it's mm. a complete, yeah, it's a complete sacrificial, the sac- same sacrificial love that Jesus showed us by going on the cross. Yeah. Mm. So much that he, like, you know, he was just like, I'll take this cup away from me, but if it's your will, I would do it. And mm. that is love. Mm. Yes. N- basically saying, ah, oh, can't be bothered, but if it makes my wife happy, mm. if it yeah. if it pleases, you know, my That's wife. That's the big, it pleases biggest God. example yeah. of love, isn't yeah. it? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Greatest expression of love, yeah. and I think, yeah. yeah. So um, we've got one more question. Um, this one, this one's for Tim, I think, specifically. Yeah. But you guys can sort of chip in. Yeah. So how do you, Tim, yeah. <laughs> reconcile your comment on Paul as still being the chief of sinners with um, second... Corinthians five, yeah, five seventeen. If anyone um, in Christ, Christ, yeah, they're a new creation. Lovely. So, how do you reconcile those things? Being a new creation, that's an easy one for him. Come on, yeah, yeah. (laughs) This this is an easy one. Well, yeah, Yeah, I think. Well, I think. I suppose it comes down to, or when you're, you're you're thinking at it, yeah, what happens on the inside of a person when they're really when they're when they're saved, Mm. Um, and. Uh, you know, I suppose what I believe, and I believe from Scripture, is is that you have your your spirit and your kind of flesh nature. That that yeah. Bible talks yeah. about it in those terms. Mm-hmm. So my flesh is my natural self, right? My yeah. natural self. So that's kind of my personal preferences, my disposition. So, you know, I may have a disposition towards eating food. Uh, I may have a disposition towards finding, you know. You know, women attractive or all of those kind of things that's my natural self mm. and then when I am when Jesus comes and saves me he puts his nature inside of me and so what the way I see that is when you talk about Norman used the phrase being born again earlier yeah. the, the the kind of if you imagine the kind of the inner I'm trying to think of a good way of describing it but like the inner clock of my life kind of was turning anti-clockwise and it was always kind of going towards what I wanted. So it's always towards what Tim wanted. So Tim's nature is always towards himself. So right, it's going to okay. do that. When when Christ comes in, my my clock turns round and starts turning the right way round. And so it's now ticking towards God. My my spirit is always pulling me to try and honour God and to love God and to do those things. But I'm still living in my old body. Yeah. And I'm still living with my old personality and my own kind of fleshly, natural desires. And and so really, like, that's kind of who I, I suppose that, that, that battle exists within me. Now, what's kind of I've heard in, in kind of modern kind of thought, which is really that kind of you are, you know, you are wonderful, you are beautiful, you are very special, you know, this kind of, it's, and again, it's an individualistic theme to Christian ministry, which is really focus on how wonderful and how beautiful you are because, you know, you're now saved, you're a new creature. Mm. And, and I think where the subtle difference comes in is that, no, my nature, what Paul's saying is my natural person outside of God yeah. is, is awful. Like I'm a terrible person outside of God. That's kind of who I am. And Paul, 
expressed that had the opportunity to really take that to its limits most of us don't get the chance to take our natural self to its limits yeah. <laughs> right we're bound in by society we're bound in by laws we're bound in by social convention i cannot just steal to my heart's content you know i may not you know i can't you know rampantly have multiple you know sexual relationships with everyone because i'm just not good looking enough you know it's like i just there's limits on me but mm. within my natural self i would be the worst of people and what paul is saying is is that my new nature is ticking a different direction yeah. but without right. christ that's the guy that i am yeah. and yeah. and that's who i am and that if i don't allow the spirit to take dominance in my life that's really where i'm going to be pulled mm. i'm going to and, and it's just because i've suddenly received christ doesn't mean that all of this old stuff well it certainly hasn't for me uh, maybe rose is more holy than i am but i still have to much more holy than uh, me I, <laughs> she is more holy than me but but you, you know i'm and paul my natural person is still dragging me in in that direction and so that's why we must not forget what we have been saved from and who we really are underneath it but we're not that person anymore. This is the wonderful thing. It's not who I am. I, I used to be like that. right? I used to be someone that, that did all these things. But I'm not because of the power of Christ in me. Yeah. And that's the key. And so it's, it's only Christ in me that makes the difference. It's not that, in a sense, I have changed. Because although I have changed, it's Christ that's changing yeah. me. And it's Christ that's the yeah. change in me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not me in myself. Now, that's a very complicated, and I'm sure that I've made some theological missteps in that in that kind of explanation but that's how i see it it's like you don't forget you don't forget really without christ who you are but at the same time i'm in christ and christ is wonderful and therefore it's christ it's not that you know i'm now beautiful it's christ that's beautiful not me yeah. and that's yeah. a, you know and it's yeah. it's, a, it's a difference really i'm still a bit of a stinky mess but christ yeah. in me yeah. is yeah. what's beautiful i mean i, I mean you know rose yeah or well, no i think that was a very good exp explanation actually but you know before we came to christ our, our what our spirit was asleep was dormant really and and when you come to christ it, it becomes alive again That's right, yeah. uh, not alive it becomes alive for the first yeah. time but that doesn't stop you from sinning christ has dealt with the sin problem on the cross yes for mankind and we uh, ask for forgiveness and we're forgiven our sins praise god but if the if the writer of that question is thinking well why wasn't why did paul call himself why why is not paul perfect if when we become a christian we're perfect um that's wrong doctrine because um there's so many scriptures that say about when we when you fall yeah, that right. you repent and and you do you go through yeah. this process so god knows he knows our frailty he knows that mm. our you know our willful ways doesn't he mm. uh, but the wonderful thing is uh, that with god and with christ um he just leads and guides us and we just you know can live a better way and a fulfill and that we're going to go to glory one day and i just hope that this person that wrote the question isn't maybe struggling themselves and thinking well because i sin am i not a new am i not a believer yeah. question you know, am I'm i just, really a new I, creation i like to think behind questions sometimes yeah. um but yeah. you know I, I, I think the other thing is that um and I, I suspect this with paul and i think with many of us the more he came to know the lord the more he saw how god was using him the more he recognized how awful the old nature was 
You know, and that's why he calls himself Chief of Sinners. And he wasn't the Chief of Sinners, of course, in reality. You know, there, probably there is no such thing. Um, but, you know, as a Chief, we're, we're all Chiefs of Sinners in reality, I guess. Um, but, I, but I, you know, I, I found that, that, that the more I've got to know the Lord, the more, you know, uh, the Lord's used me in different ways, the more I've thought back to our awful how awful that nature is yeah. and, and as Tim's rightly said and now you know the wonderful thing we are in a position to put it down that's right. I mean that's the clear teaching of Paul you can put, it's there yeah oh yeah I mean Romans 7 you know it's a very interesting chapter right. where, where, where he says you know I try to do the things that are right but somehow I can't who will deliver me well it'll be the Lord Jesus and, and you know that's sort of there and, and I think we all find that the same we know there's that side I've said to many people, you know, preaching stuff. I've, I've had women, you know, chat me up. Rose laughs and no, and when I told her and said, <laughs> "Did they have a white stick?" You know, thanks, dear. <laughs> um, but but you know, but I there would have been a time, obviously, when when I would have been okay with that. But then you realise Christ is in you, the hope of glory. You realise I'm a new creation. All yeah. things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A new nature. But but I, I think it, I mean I've heard people teach that old nature's gone. Forget all about it. It's not there. That's that's a lie. Well, it's just unreality, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, just, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Anyone yeah. lived in, you know, anyone's lived. I mean, I always think there was a, there was a famous thing about Spurgeon, and, and um, uh, I think it was Spurgeon, and um, and someone was going on about the fact that they were perfect and that they were now a new nature or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and they were talking about it. He kept doing it for a couple of days, and apparently after a couple of days at breakfast, he was going on. Spurgeon picked up, walked up picked up his porridge walked around and tipped it all over the man oh, and the man got very angry and upset and there and uh, and i think spurgeon, spurgeon i've never heard like, that one <laughs> and, and spurgeon was like well look it's still there isn't it you know and i think it's yeah. it's yeah and yeah. It, I, this is this is such a, a a challenging subject really because i think people can fall into one or two camps like rose said it could be that someone's sitting there thinking oh i'm i'm a, you know i'm still awful god hasn't really done yeah. it um, or they can start to try and, you know, and they think that somehow perfection is the standard. <laughs> and perfection is the standard, but you'll never meet the standard. No. It, you know, you, you know, you will never meet the standard. That's why you need to be in Christ. And, and I think yeah. the point that Norm is making is that, that when you are born again, you not only does your clock tick in a different direction and your motivation or orientation is towards God, but you have power over sin. Yes. So whereas before, yeah. you know, um, you know, let's say, I don't know, the temptation for pornography comes along. Yeah. If you are in Christ... You have the power to say no, mm. whereas before you don't have the That's power right. to say no. Yeah. That's the difference, but it's yeah. still your choice. Yeah. And without Christ, you would have no chance. No, but can't. also, in reality, you are still that person. Like you know, I you know, uh, praise God. That's not an area that that I struggle with. But I know that if I let it, it would eat me. And if I gave if I gave space to that in my life, it would come back. And and grab me, you know. It, it's it's you know what I mean. It's not something that I can say. Oh, therefore, you know, I don't. You know, I, I never look at a woman, and I'm never. Yeah, you know, just that's just unreal. That's not that. My nature still exists in that sense, and I can't run away from that. I mean, but, the, go on. sorry. No, no, the wonderful thing is, isn't it, that Christ has uh, redeemed us by His blood. We're born again, but our part is that we have to renew our mind. Absolutely. We've got a big part yeah. to do. Uh, the, the fleshly part, putting that down and renewing our mind. And, and the wonderful thing is, it does give me comfort because, you know, I probably fall every day in one way or the other, is that one day, 
and it will be one day. It won't be on this earth mm. where we'll be in glory, Amen. and we will be complete, won't we? Yeah. And we will be spotless and and sinless. Yeah. But uh, you know, I have to be real now. Not on, on this earth, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh wow! Yeah, lovely. Um, so we're going to wrap it up there. I think this is a, a nice lengthy podcast for you to listen to on your way to work or whatever. Or, <laughs> but yeah, um, we'll be back again soon. Um, if you've got any other questions, please don't hesitate to actually walk up to Norman, Rosemary, or Tim. Th- not me though. Stay away from me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah. Just feel free to walk up to any of them and just ask them to elaborate more or whatever. I'm sure they'll love to. Um, have a lovely rest of your day or evening. God bless. Bye.